Welcome to Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. On today's show, we will spotlight the movie Dead Heat, and then we will do our top three favorite horror anthology movies. Today is episode six, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Lindsay. I'm Josh. I'm Ellen. Welcome to the only podcast in the entire universe being recorded at Madison Square Gardens, live in New York. It's Saturday. Oh, wait, what? Um, <laughs> no, actually live from our houses. What if we, how long could we get along, get away with lying? Like pretending we're recording somewhere. We're yeah, not. this next horror Also film, uh, live is also a lie because this is a pre-recorded podcast. It's true. They don't know that it could have went up live. We could lie about everything. This next horror movie, we actually <laughs> produced and co-wrote and basically directed but didn't get credit for. You think that's like podcast fraud? Could they do anything to you for yeah. that? No, nah, dude, free speech. Exactly, right? Free speech includes lies? Generally, it does. Yeah, it does. I've seen politicians do it all the time. It's they true. don't get in trouble. <laughs> All right, so uh, last week I brought to you some free movies on Amazon. Uh, they were the 80s horror movies that were free on Amazon. And this week I will give to you, and here's the official title of this segment that I'm doing, 10 90s horror movies free on Amazon Prime that's worth checking out during social distancing. And I know you're thinking I should probably make that title longer. But here they are. Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. Society. Oh, man, if you want to see some weird 90s horror, it, you got to check out Society. Nightbreed. Body Melt, which we watched as a group. Uh, Lindsay picked it. She spent most of the end of the movie apologizing for picking it, but everybody enjoyed it. Uh, Return of the Living Dead 3 which it has a cult following of its own. Like you don't even have to watch one and two. And in my opinion, you don't ever have to watch two. Um, yeah, but it's great. Sometimes they come back a Stephen King adaptation, um, a sort of Stephen King adaptation, but more of a movie sequel pet cemetery Two, but cemetery spelled with an S body bags, which goes with our top three because it's an anthology bride of reanimator which is the follow-up to Reanimator, and Twilight Zone, Rod Serling's Lost Classics, which is also an anthology movie that they made of Twilight Zone episodes that never aired. So there you have it. There's some, some free watching for you if you have Amazon. So I wanted to talk about housing. It's, it's an important topic, though. Housing, yeah. Let's talk about the market um, and real estate. So... The real-life home in Los Angeles featured in a fictional horror film, The People Under the Stairs, is now for sale. Melanie, I figured you'd be interested in this one. People, oh, my God. I want to know so I can chain kids up in the basement. <laughs> People Under the Stairs was one of those movies that Melanie and I watched over and over again as a kid. It just, like, appealed well, to us. Me and, and our neighbor both yeah. he, So We watched it nonstop. So the Craftsman's property built in 1905, is available now for as low as $2,495. That's pretty cheap. And there's nothing frightening about it. 
So yeah, I, as far as some of those properties go, that's not bad. So I was wondering, yeah. a, I was wondering, does it come with all of the trap doors? Cause that's like a big sell for me. Like do, and like the, the yeah, special, the, yeah. And the stairs that like turn into a slide, is that going to be a part of the house? I'll bet you does it come with kids in the wall, like a kid in the wall. Yeah, does it, <laughs> this guy. This guy. So I got to come fully stocked. I bet that uh, the yeah. inside of the house, the interiors were probably not shot in this house. Probably, That's, not. I guess it's. I would guess that it's all like soundstage, and it's just the outside of the house that they well, use. Well, then I don't want anything to do with this house. I don't want. It. The I'm outside looks cool. Crazy. I don't give a shit. So I had a question. Well, then. it's probably million dollars worth. Okay, what's your question? I have a question. So if you could buy a house that was featured in the horror movie, but it comes with whatever was in the horror movies. So, you know, if, if you get the Amityville house, it's like ghosty. If you get um, the psycho house, it's got Norman Bates. Which house would yeah. you pick? My, my answer was, I think the psycho house, because I think I could probably take care of Norman Bates. And then I'd have like a nice side business. I could run a hotel out, out of it too. Okay. So the house I would pick, I don't know if you've guys seen the Scream series. Uh, no, that? no. I know of it. Okay, so in the beginning, it's not good. But in the beginning, <laughs> there is uh, a house that the the girl gets killed. Kind of like, you know, in the first screen. But the house is like tits. It's like electronic, and you can, like, put your iPad on and change the colors. And then it's got a pool and a hot tub, you know, kind of thing. The house is so made you, of you're just tits. going for the nice house. You don't want any horror gimmicks. No, I just want the nice house. I'm well, cool. the house would come with that. the scream killer, though. Do you yeah, think that would be a problem? Stalked by the scream killer. I would carry around like a shotgun or like a taser. You just know? like all the yeah. time. Well, it's just like a teenage boy, right? Who cares? Yeah, this is a teenage boy. Like, yeah, he, he's not going to be interested in me. I'll be like, go, go kill one of the pretty chicks. <laughs> <laughs> I I would go for the cabin in the woods oh. cabin. You just you like have so many those. options. Like you want to die, you could find the zombie artifact, or you know. But why the, did you want to die? There's so many different artifacts. I don't necessarily want to die, but I think it's cool. Uh, I just like that movie. I wanted to see the mermaids. That's what I would go for. If I lived in that, I would just I would do the mermaid one. Do the mermaid one. Die by mermaids. Yeah. yeah. I definitely wouldn't want to do the redneck death. <laughs> you know, maybe a vampire, or something cool, like you know, so you can live forever. Yeah. I don't know if there's a vampire. No. Original house on haunted hill is what I would go with because it's Victorian style living and it's a mansion, and it was all a hoax, right? So. You could just got some like hoaxy things in your house. That'd be quite fun. And a dancing skeleton that comes out of the water. Heck yeah. Does it have a pool, Brandon? Does it have a pool or a hot tub? Yeah. Yeah. He comes out of a pool. It's a body of water that's like in the house. That's what he comes out of. And he's all skeleton y. No sale for me. It has to come with the pool and the hot tub. <laughs> all right. All right. What, what about. What about Babel for you, Melanie? Okay, so I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but I just like was watching like new movies, and I think this already came out, but I don't know if you guys have heard of Antlers. It's oh, a I've scary it, movie yeah. coming out about the Wendigo. Ooh. It's got, it's got Fat Todd in it. 
Oh. What? Who's that? Fat Todd from uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, is that his name in the show? He also plays in Black Mirror. He's in a lot of stuff. I know his, his, I his name's Todd in the show. Melanie called him Fat Todd because in the El Camino um, movie, he, he like has gained a bunch of weight, and it's just like he was much fatter than when he was in Breaking Bad, and he's and it's supposed to be around the t- same time frame, so it's a little bit funny. Oh, okay, okay, sounds like mean. <laughs> it's okay. It's like fat people calling other people fat is is, is cool. It's she could use it's her word, Brandon. Gotcha. I, I won't use it. I'll make fun of buff people then. It's the truth. I'm not even being mean about it. I don't care if he's fat. He can be fat. I still like Todd. No, I don't like his character. I'm breaking bad, but yeah, I don't know if you guys like Wendigo. Like I wanna it looked pretty cool. No, I wanna but see I don't it. know if you guys have heard anything. That's I haven't heard anything, but that's like one of my favorite uh scary stories. Yeah, and it looked pretty scary, but it might, you know, it probably sucks, I'll be honest, but I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping. Yeah. It'd be nice to see a good Wendigo movie. Yeah. It's my babble. Yeah. So uh, HBO ordered a spinoff of The Shining from J.J. Abrams Production Company. I think it's called Bad Robot. Um, Sounds right. But I was reading a little bit about it, and there's not much info yet. Uh, the show is said to explore untold stories of the hotel. So it's probably about, like, the old lady that turns into a monster-looking thing and, like, the twins, maybe, like, the blood elevator. There might be an episode all about the I'm down. that. So... Yeah, we'll see how it is. I I think it could be pretty good. HBO usually makes some pretty quality shows. It's true. They have a nice budget. Yeah. But uh, there wasn't much information out, so I don't really have much to say about it yet. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Forrest Gump. (laughs) Well... You know, speaking of The Shining, my fun fact today, which I will call the Overlooked Hotel, um, <laughs> it's probably known by now that Stephen King did not like Kubrick's adaptation for The Shining. And this is, this is what he says. This is a quote from Stephen King. I've admired Stanley Kubrick for a long time and had great expectations for the project, but I was deeply disappointed in the end result. Parts of the film are chilling, charged with a relentlessly, um, sorry, a relentlessly, why can't I, like, my brain won't say this word, claustrophobic terror. <laughs> let me, let me, let me just start that over for Josh to edit. Yeah. Parts of the film are chilling, charged with a relentless claustrophobic terror but others fell flat uh king didn't like the casting either he said that jack nicholson though a fine actor was all wrong for the part his last big role had been one in one flew over the cuckoo's nest and between that and the manic grin the audience automatically identified him as a loony from this first scene but the book is all about jack torrance's gradual descent into madness through the influence of the overlook hotel if the guy is nuts to begin with, 
then the entire tragedy of his downfall is wasted. Now, I do, like, completely agree with his distaste for that. With, with that being said, like, Jack Nicholson seems kind of like a creepy dude in the movie from the start. Well, yeah. Yes, I, I disagree, because I read the book, and in the book, he is a creepy dude. Like, he's you start out with, like, him abusing his child, like, breaking his arm. Yeah, that's so I don't know maybe personally, but he wrote the book. But I think it's like, no, he's he's not a bad dude. Oh, yeah, he beats his kid, but he's not a bad dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, so what goes off the wall like like something wrong, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is I, I agree with his disapproval of it because he could have his own opinion. I, though, love The Shining, and oh, yeah, also. I, to this day, have not heard um, a horror fan not like The Shining. It's true. Yeah. I would get rid of the leading lady if I was to, like, if I want, if I was Stephen King, that's the only act. The actress annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, olive oil? Yeah. Ah! Yeah, I don't like her. I don't think, like yeah, think Kubrick liked like her either. Ruin the show. Yeah, That's right. It wasn't cute, like an asshole to her. Or something. He was like torturing her, but he was he was saying that it was like for the like to get a performance out of her. That was like kind of his thing, though. He kind of put the people through the ringer to to get a performance, and I kind of disagree with that because it's like they're actors and actresses. Just let them yeah, act. Sounds like an excuse to be shitty to people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nobody's perfect. It's a uh, it's interesting. I I understand like Stephen King's kind of distaste uh for the movie even though i'm personally a big fan of it just uh i I mean stephen king and and stanley kubrick probably both have like really huge egos right they're both like top of the food chain in what they do right Mm -hmm. so to see someone like change your work i guess after being so successful it might be even like a little insulting for someone to take like that many artistic liberties with yeah. it. I'm not sure. If, uh, book is awesome, but I don't think you could, I don't know if you could translate all that on to the film and have it be good. Yeah. You yeah. Can see yeah. why they had to speak. I mean, Stephen King's books are rather long. And uh, that's why a lot of them had been adapted into a TV series, you know, where they have multiple parts, like uh, Salem's Lot and the original It. Yeah, I just think, yeah, I just think he wrote those books and he's probably like, you know, you probably, and when you read a book, you get attached to the characters, you you imagine them in your own way. And so sometimes when you go see the movie, it's like disappointing. But I I loved Shining, so... I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to our spotlight on Dead Heat. All right. Dead Heat, 1988. I'm going to read the synopsis just straight up. All right. Los Angeles police officer named Roger Mortis, get it, like Rigor Mortis, uh, played by Treat Williams, tries to apprehend robbers that happen to be 
zombies. He ends up as one of the undead himself. Since Mortis has managed to stay in his right mind, he aids his loudmouth partner, Doug Bigelow, played by Joe Piscopo, <laughs> Piscopo, in getting to the bottom of the macabre crime ring. Eventually, the cops track down the villains, including Arthur P. Loudermilk, Lord Loudermilk, Loudermilk, played by Vincent Price, and try to end their supernatural thievery. This is directed by Mark Goldblatt, who is more known as an editor. Like he edited like um, Terminator Two and a whole slew of like really popular movies. Um, he's only directed this and the 1989 Punisher and an episode of Erie, Indiana. It has a very short running time of 86 minutes. Received really negative reviews. And we'll get into that. I, I get that. Um, also, uh, when we were watching this, we were watching this with Uncle Kevin in our household. And he was saying how similar it was to a, a 1949 movie called DOA, where the guy had been poisoned and he's trying to figure out. He's got like a couple days to figure out who poisoned him. And it's, it's a, uh, a really cool concept. And they obviously borrowed from it. And they didn't shy away from it because they had the original DOA 1949 movie playing in a house in one of the scenes. The body count, and I think we're going to start doing this because IMDb always has a body count for oh. horror movies. So the body count on this is 32. And there was supposed to be a sequel written. But spoilers, the writer said to the producers, the main characters die, how can I do a sequel? And they said, you have a regeneration machine. A reanimating machine. You figure it out. Sequel was obviously never done. Aw. I kind of want the sequel. So, this movie is a buddy cop movie. It's a comedy. However, for me, yeah. the funny parts didn't come from the parts that were supposed to be funny. <laughs> I kind of was laughing at everything else. It's also a horror movie. And kind of like a body deformity Body, what do they call it? Body horror. Body horror. Yeah, body yeah. horror. Um, and for me, it was just super fun. Lindsay and I had watched this like years ago, but we decided to rewatch it and make everybody else watch it. So I'm curious on what you guys thought of this kind of bad movie, but it's a bad, good, it's, it's one of those bad, good movies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love how it has like all of the tropes of a cop movie, it's got like the angry boss they're just like damn it you guys yeah. this is your last warning yeah and uh, police officers go off on their own and do what they yeah. want i don't know yeah and they're oh it's so 80s and it's it's like the cool guy's got a leather jacket on constantly like never takes that jacket yeah. off and uh it's i don't know it's like about women and stuff it's always like ooh. <laughs> you have an extra pair of panties in your suitcase roger in the hot tub he's like you were under there for five minutes can you teach my girlfriend that shit? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is like just kind of confusing in general just like that's where okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the comedy it's like they went out of their way to make really bad jokes. And like, the, yeah, the comedy in it is only funny because of how bad it is. You know, right. like I found myself yeah. laughing at the comedy rather than with it. You you're, know, you're, you're laughing at the jokes because they're so bad. They, they, they just, right? Uh, just, yeah. 
I don't know. I think it's super fun. And I, and I think it's one of those movies when you're first, like about the first 20 minutes, you're like, what is this crap? Like it's, it's kind of yeah. not even, not even so much that, but you're like, this is, this is a little bit corny this and bad, but I thought when I first, yeah. But, but there's an actual like point in the movie where you're like, I'm totally invested. Like, and I had that around this, the first time I watched it and I had it the second time I watched it where like, oh, that's right. There's this kind of really cool story. Like the guy's got 14 hours to solve his own murder. He's already dead. His body doesn't matter. So he can just basically like throw himself in front of a gun in order to win a fight. And I don't know, I I find it really like interesting. And they they even try to add like some of the, uh, they pull at your heartstrings a little bit when they try to like, make him like realize like, Oh, I'm dead. You know, my, my obituary is going to be in the newspaper tomorrow, probably, you know? And I don't know. I just, I like it all. Like, I think I would like to see this movie actually done like almost more seriously. Man, a remake of this movie would be great. I yeah. think. I think this is like the perfect, like what's Hollywood doing remaking these like classics and these like staples right. that are just like great and still hold up. Why not grab something like, dead heat that had potential right but didn't quite hit the mark and is outdated right you know and they could do something really cool with it nowadays yeah i don't like how they're grabbing and remaking things that have been like shot five years prior it's like you don't need to make remake a movie that's five years like you don't need to remake train to busan that movie was perfect and it's shot recently (laughs) yeah there should be no reason and i i did like the scene where they go to like the um the butcher oh, and all the animals. That's my favorite scene. I've, that's my favorite scene. Yeah. What a cool, what a cool practical effect. I'm a vegetarian effect. from now on. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the practical effects in that scene are actually really good and kind of, they scare me, man. Those, those animals come to life are scary as shit. So that's one thing this movie does have is the practical effects are good. Yeah. Like they're, 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 you know. Uh, they're, they're realistic. Yeah, they're realistic. They're. I mean, there's a, in the beginning, the first monster you see is like a three-faced huge dude and like, it's seamless. Like it looks really good still, I think. Whoa, that killed the room. I I enjoyed it. It took a while for me to want to watch it, but once I did, like I was okay. Yeah. I uh, love the scene where him and another zombie do because there's like these they're like not really zombies in the like Romero-esque sense. They're more just like reanimated and like kind of indestructible in a way. You have to like blow them up or electrocute them to kill them. But uh, the main character and another zombie get into an Uzi fight and they're just <laughs> blasting away at each other. And it is so <laughs> for great like, for like two minutes. Yeah. And it's just like, who's going to run out of bullets first. And they're just like vibrating and shooting. And it's like it's so, so great. And it's I so think funny. that was like one of the, the funny scenes that they tried to make funny and it really hit for me, you know, it's also interesting in this movie. Like you have these very main characters and they're willing to just like off them in with, without even an explanation. Yeah. You're just like, what the fuck? and i'm just like what the fuck happened there like why is he i like i don't know why though i like that all like because you never see that you never see like this like main characters like oh wait they're gone now holy shit yeah but the thing was it's like we were like who's that yes 
who's in the fish tank? And yeah, it took t- us a while to figure out that it was like one of the main characters. <laughs> yeah. It was so like done almost like there's a dude in the fish tank. Oh, that's a bummer. And then <laughs> yeah. they like move on and we're like, what? Yeah, they don't even seem to give him the proper like, uh, oh my God, you know, like, oh, he's dead. And there's like, oh, well, so-and-so is in the fish tank. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next. And then within like 10 minutes of that, like another main character is just, what? Okay. Yeah, she just falls to pieces. You're like, what the fuck is that? I love it though. I don't know why, man. I just, I love the disorganization <laughs> of all that because you don't really get to see it. And yeah. it all makes sense. Like it's all part of the movie. They have reasons for it. None of these characters are getting killed off like for no reason. And it feels yeah. like a little more realistic to me, I guess. Like it feels a little more like real life when like all of a sudden like, oh yeah, they, they would go to his house and murder the shit out of him. Of course, why wouldn't they? They have this huge like army essentially with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know. Well, I like the ending. I must say that was, I did like the ending. Yeah. I liked it. I didn't. The guy, to be honest. You like, didn't? No, they go to heaven, right? They're like walking into I the light. Yeah. This is going to be the end of a great friendship. Yeah. <laughs> and but like, I thought it was funny, like the take on that line. Because you you see that a lot. This is the beginning of a great friendship. That's true. That's true. I didn't even notice that. And then my favorite part about the ending is he he hopes that he's going to come back as a uh, women's bicycle seat. Oh, God. Yeah. That was like the last thing that was like said. (laughs) The last thing in the movie. Yeah. Do you you believe in reincarnation? (laughs) Yeah. I just hope I come back as a woman's bicycle seat. (laughs) Yeah. I hope I come back as an inanimate object. <laughs> so a woman can sit on my face and sweat. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, what kind of movie man. you're getting into when you're watching Dead Heat. That's for that's... sure. It's good. I think if you want fun, if you want something just goofy and fun, but at the same time, like definitely like pulls you into the story. Like you, you are rooting yeah. for these characters, and you're on you're on the side and as, as dorky and, and corny as it can be, you're still like very invested in the story. Yeah. Um, it's watch it with a group. I would say. Yeah, definitely watch it with a group watching it by yourself. I mean, you guys probably watched it by yourselves, right? Yeah. I did, it with my kids actually. And they liked it. They did they like did. it. There's some fun yeah, scenes in there, man. Josh, how was the experience watching it by yourself? Do you feel like you would have enjoyed it more with a group? Probably, because honestly, I didn't enjoy the movie a ton. Um, <laughs> it's understandable. It was, You're not alone. Yeah. yeah. I got to ask myself, like, why am I watching this a few times? But, <laughs> 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 but like, there were redeeming moments, but uh, I don't know. I think as a group where I could, like, laugh at it yeah. and make silly comments every couple yeah, minutes, you know? You know, that's uh, the thing is we missed some stuff because p- part of, like, watching the movie for us was definitely like sitting there and questioning everything that was happening. Like why would all of a sudden this just happen out of nowhere? Yeah. Yeah. There was three of us watching it. And uh, yeah, most of most of the time we were like laughing and, uh, yeah. and analyzing the film and, and it just, it's ridiculousness and taking the ridiculousness all in and shooting it back out mm-hmm. at each other. So 
yeah, it's definitely fun to watch. I, I think I would have had a hard time watching this alone, to be honest. But but I'm a child of the 80s, so all those like 80s like really corny tropes and like the buddy cop stuff, like that I am nostalgic for that stuff, yeah. you know. So like there there's something that that uh inside of me that 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 it excites me about these kind of films, no matter how corny they are. You I, th- know? I think I could watch this one alone and enjoy it completely. Let's give it a rating. All right, I'm gonna go first. And I'm gonna give my first minus rating because I will rate this a minus six. Now, if you if you didn't listen to previous podcasts, we have a rating system from minus ten to positive ten. The minuses meaning that it's bad but good all right so a zero would be absolutely awful don't watch it and then as you go up in the minuses it's you need to watch it for the the fun bad factor of it so yeah that's my rating my my rating would be a minus seven and for the parts that are good though like a 6.5 for the parts that you can kind of take seriously 6.5 but for the entire movie as a whole minus seven (laughs) i'm gonna give it a minus four um i liked it i enjoyed it but it it was definitely like if you didn't watch it with people it would not be like fun i don't think yeah i'd I'd have to agree with melanie on this one uh minus four and maybe that is because i watched it by myself but yeah i just didn't really enjoy it a ton fair enough All right, so that was our spotlight on Dead Heat. Up next, top three anthology horror movies. Anthology, if you look up the definition, is a collection of stories. They usually talk about written stories, like books and whatnot. And it dates back very far. And also, that's a fact with the movies as well. Um, we could talk about all kinds of anthology horror books and even get into the Tales from the Crypt comic book series from EC Comics back in the day, what started the comic book burning of parents, which was, uh, there's an interesting uh, documentary about Tales from the Crypt where it goes from the comic book to the show. But... We are focusing on the film side of it, and here we go. My number three is Tales from the Hood. This movie was made in 1995, and the director... Is Rusty Kundiev? Do you know how to say that name right? No. Rusty Kundiev. Sounds like I'm saying a bad word there. <laughs> uh, anyway, I chose this one because it's fun, for one. And I, the stories are actually pretty cool and, and uh, very captivating. And then on top of that, I think it, it was really important uh, horror movie for black Americans. And it also touches on some of the things that they are dealing with then and we're dealing with now like uh, police brutality and some child abuse and, and all kinds of different things, racism, racism. Yeah. And I, I just enjoy when those kind of lessons can be put into a movie 
but in an entertaining way, not where they're like necessarily shoving it down your throat. Like, I, again, it's one of those things I don't think you need to uh, get the message in order to enjoy this. It's still like scary and interesting and, and the tales are uh, fun to watch in a way. Like they're fun horror, little horror tales. But I think having the message there and be a part of it and you have everything else, it just is an interesting anthology to me. And I always go back to it to watch this is also my number three, Tales from the Hood. Um, I think this is like a great example of a like horror anthology, really, because it has it has the great wraparound that right. you're like always like you're it, it keeps pushing it forward after each story, and I like that the basically he's like the 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 host of the anthology, you know, um, and he's a mortician and he's showing bodies. And you see the bodies, and those bodies have a story to yeah. it. Yeah. And it goes into the story. And then spoilers, at the end, the 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 main three characters that are there to buy drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. They open up the coffins, and they see themselves, and it tells the story about how they got there, and that they're actually dead, and what a great twist. Right. So all the stories individually are really good. Like Lindsay said, a lot of great social commentary in there that needed to be said of that time and maybe Still unfortunately <laughs> of, of this time as well. Um, but then it has that great wraparound and the great twist. Like what a, what like a perfect anthology um, format for me. This is like my favorite format of anthologies. Yeah. I do like a main yeah. story to always come back into and, and follow along. It's almost like a breather in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. And a host. Right. I, I like having that host cause it feels like the old comic books. So that is also my number three tales from the hood. Okay, okay. My number three is higher on somebody else's list, so I'm going to talk about it later. Cool. Josh? Yeah, my number three is also higher up on uh, a few people's lists, I think. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that later as well. A lot of but, crossovers uh, I, here. Yeah, I did want to talk a little bit about uh, wraparounds for anthologies because some anthology movies – decide to forgo the wraparound completely but uh how integral is the wraparound for you guys you were talking about it earlier i um, wouldn't call it integral but i would call it in like it makes it a little more enjoyable for me yeah i wouldn't call it integral either because i don't know what that word means but i really (laughs) like a wraparound but it doesn't it doesn't have to be there for me honestly if the stories are interesting enough and if they could blend them in a in a good way, without a wraparound, it doesn't necessarily have to have a wraparound. But it's nice when they do when they kind of pull it all together. Yeah, right. yeah. Wraparounds are always polite. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's cool. Like it gives an opportunity to weave a thread through multiple stories instead of just uh, yeah. showing a few randomly and. Uh, my number three doesn't have a wraparound, um, but uh, the rest do. And I think that the wraparound uh, was what put those higher on my list because it had like an overarching meaning instead of just like a bunch of different stories. So Good point. Good point. All right, moving on. So my number two is The Willies. 
director Brian oh Peck, God, and, and writer Brian Peck. This is another one where Melanie and I would watch this over and over and over and over as kids, and it's definitely kind of more aimed at children, I think. It's more, it's... Because my kids love it. Yeah, so I, don't, like, I don't know that I would call this is, super adult horror movie, but yeah. I put it on here because this had a huge, this like, this movie had a huge impact on me as a kid. Like, there were some nightmares I had because of this movie. And yeah, um, the bathroom. I couldn't go to the bathroom. So yeah. And it does have kind of a wraparound that's really cool. Um, it's just kind of like part of the story. Like, and as the kids, like, tell these stories that are actually like living this other story that's going on while this is all going on. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys remember donkey lips from salute your shorts? Of course. Michael Bauer, I believe his name is. He's in one of the most interesting, the one that I just think of every time I think of this movie is it's, he plays a kid who, uh, basically kills flies and then like poses them in like human situations. Like he's got a whole diner and there's flies like glued to the seats and he rips their wings off. Yeah. He makes these weird dioramas of them. And, and he's like super weird. And in order to do certain things, he like gets this like fertilizer, he steals it and uh, he puts the flies in there for one reason or another. And they become huge. And at the end they tear his arms off and you just see him with like these two, hooks in his in his arms for his arms and i don't know why that story scared the shit out of me when i was a kid doesn't have as much as impact as the the kid when he's going into the bathroom and there's the monster there's the the monster in the school yeah i don't know i the shit out of me today when you look at it it's scary yeah it's pretty good i don't know i i think this is was one of those anthologies that it definitely is under the radar i don't think anybody's heard of this i don't know how we heard of it i don't know Uh, like how we found it we went to top hat Lindsay. we went to top yeah we would always like your films yeah, but I think yeah. our mother actually introduced us to this one. I think mom actually yeah. is the she one that have. like first was like, you guys need to watch the Willies. And I don't know, it's it's super fun. And I would say, check it out. It is old, but it is good for its time. It's good for its time. It's old. 1990. <laughs> well, I mean, we were like seven when we first saw yeah, this. Yeah. So it I, feels old. <laughs> I saw this when I was older. You showed it to me. Right. And I, I immediately like loved it. It's like kids in a backyard camping out in their in their backyard in a tent. And I've done this before where like you and your friend is like, let's let's have a fake camp out. We don't have to like really get permission from our parents. That's it. You feel like independent when you do that kind of thing. You know, you 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 set up camp in the backyard and you kind of pretend you're camping. I forgot about the first stories, like how awesome like the mini stories in the beginning are. Like when the fat lady eats the rat. Yeah, and ha- how it starts is like these kids are telling each other stories and they start really short and right. like not that scary. And then they get longer and longer and longer and like more and more gruesome. And it's almost like, um, you know, what's grosser than gross kind of thing happening. Well, that's exactly that's exactly you know? what they say. It, you know, what's grosser than gross? A dead puppy oh, in yeah. a barrel. What's grosser than that? That's how it starts it, right? Yeah, yeah, like one dead puppy in 10 barrels or something like that. Like they're trying to gross each other out and freak each other out. Yeah. And it starts, it definitely starts with gross out stories and then it moves to scary stories and it's just really cool. It's fun. It's so Super fun. fun. And that is my number fun. two, The Willies. So my number two is Epitaph. It is South Korean. Um, it was made in 2007. Um, a guy finds an older guy who's a doctor. He finds his photo album. Um, 
back in the 40s and he just kind of goes back and it goes back into like these little stories start and it's really like i'll say it had a wraparound but the wraparound was super confusing didn't like get why we ended up interesting like it was almost like we ended up they were doing all this paranormal stuff and we ended up with like a norman bates story at the end but um it was still good it has some really scary scenes and um I think one of the scary scenes is this guy's working in the morgue and this dead girl comes in and um, she pulls him into the, into one of those like things. I don't know what you call it. You know, the things they put the bodies in. Body bags? No. no like You know, they put them in the morgue, like they shove them in. The, oh, like the freezer the things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She pulls them into there. That That's is the technical the term. Yeah, freezer things. Freezer things. I don't know what they call yeah. them. I don't know what they're called either. Body. But it's refrigerator. scary. It's worth a watch. I'm not saying it's wonderful, but it's definitely worth a watch. Cool. That is what? Epitaph? Uh-huh. Epitaph. Interesting. Uh, my number two is Ghost Stories. It came out in 2017. It was directed by Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman. This was one of the first horror movies that I watched that really impressed me. Blew me away the first time I thought I saw it. Um, I thought to myself, like, wow, this is a good movie. Like, I didn't realize horror movies could be good movies until I saw this one, I guess. Uh for those who haven't seen it, the wraparound is basically this guy who debunks ghost stories. And uh, when he was a kid, he really looked up to this guy on TV that debunked ghost stories. And so he followed in his footsteps. But that guy disappeared. He shows up at his house one day and uh, is like, hey. Here's three stories I was never able to debunk. The supernatural is real, and there's no way you can disprove these. And so the anthology is him trying to disprove these stories. But they're really spooky, and uh, the conclusion of the wraparound is very cool. Um, I and I really like the natural versus supernatural debate in, in this movie as well. Yeah, I always, I always like that. Uh, those arguments like put put together in a movie of somebody trying to kind of disprove what's happening, but they they can't. Well, it just seems fun. And the end did blow me away. I, I have to say, like, yeah, you I don't see, see it coming. coming. That's no. For sure. no, it's a great twist ending, and th this is an honorable yeah. mention of mine because it's um, you don't see a lot of modern day well done anthology movies. In fact, we had gone through in our horror movie viewings as a group some pretty bad ones that it's had true. that looked very promising had like good directors behind it um but that just didn't they fell flat this one re is really intriguing the whole time actually scary and a really unique wraparound and a great twist ending that's a good pick that's a good pick i like that yeah so that is my number two ghost stories so my number two is higher on someone else's list We'll get to that then. Number one. 
My number one is Creep Show 2. Specifically Creep Show 2, which Brandon and I always have the argument about which Creep Show is better. And it's probably always going to be 2. Part uh, 1. <laughs> directed by Michael Gornick, uh, writers Stephen King and George A. Romero. Now, I will say, the thing about Creep Show 2 is that the very first story, which is just really bizarre about... It's supposed to be, I believe, about a Native American, but it looks like... Does it look like a white dude to you guys, just with long, dark hair? I don't know. Probably mm-hmm. is, unfortunately. No? What? What's the guy that Indian? The Native American guy? Is he an actual Native American? Maybe he is. And no, I just don't remember. It's, a, it's, just a, it's just a piece of wood, Lindsay. Well, there's... there's <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's kind of an interesting story. I, I Do you like, mean the main character? It's like he's got the long hair. Yeah. And- no, he's Native American. Is he? Okay. Maybe they just Americanized, yeah. Americanized him up like super big because yeah. maybe that's what threw me off. But either way, he's a terrible actor. And and <laughs> the like everything that he does is just like super corny and weird. But I do like the I do like the idea of, you know, that they go and rob this place and then this like wooden Native American that the old guy always takes care of, like gets revenge because somehow he liked those people. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. I think it could have been done, could have been done better, but it just, I don't know. It's the one that I like wait for to get over. What I liked the least, I think it was lazy almost. It was just kind of yeah. like. Didn't feel that interesting, stuff. I guess. But yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And I it's okay. Like his, like you said, the main character's monologues where yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to run my hair through your yeah. legs. Just kind of like, okay, let's do I think when then when the, the wooden podium guy comes to life, it, it gets quite a bit interesting, but that's about it. Yeah. But why I like yeah. this, the reason why it's my number one is because the second and the third stories are just two of the most awesome, scary stories yeah. I've ever seen in an anthology. I love the raft one. That's something that scared me. Yeah. That scares favorite. me to this day. Like I am yeah, always like does. rooting for those people. Like yeah, like it. And then uh, I love the end where the guy basically is like a victim to his own like cockiness. He's just I beat you, and that thing just well, swallows him up. I think they should make like a. How cool would it be to make like a full horror movie out of that? Like I always thought like that would be awesome. If they I don't did know it right, no. If they did it right, I think yeah. They, yeah. Maybe if they did it right, it works pretty well as a short though. Like it works pretty well. Yeah. As what like it is. Said, to this day, it scares the bejesus out of me. And I don't know why. I mean, yeah. when it was a pretty cool scene when she falls in and she's being eaten and she comes up, like it's so realistic. Oh, all of, all of the death scenes in it are pretty amazing. The effects are amazing yeah. and they're re- very realistic and creepy. And uh-huh. they, all I can picture is how much it would hurt to fall into this like flesh eating blob. But then mm-hmm. the third story where the lady hits the hitchhiker and he just basically comes back and and haunts her for the rest of her drive home is just god that gets scarier and scarier as that goes along too and more and more intense <laughs> yeah that's what she always says i always say that too like that's gonna cost you mrs lansing like i always yeah. use that yeah and she's not a good person she's clearly no, she's like not. cheating she's having an affair her husband she hit a guy and ran yeah you know? yeah and uh, it so, feels very tells from the crypty where, you know, she gets what's coming to her at the end. Bad people get bad outcomes. But you still, like are rooting for her in a weird way. At in least a weird me. way, I guess. But you don't really yeah. feel too bad about it. Like, but the, the, the guy gets just like more and more torn up as the, as the yeah. story uh, progresses. And it just, it scares the living shit out of me to like see him just like more and more bloody and more and more freaky and more and more monstrous. And I just like that. I like, I think it's a great, like. 
uh, progression into a story of, and like you see how this like the guy starts out not too scary like it's pretty scary but by the end of it you're like holy shit he's a monster and you, yeah I don't know that is why I picked Creepshow too and I know Melanie this was your number three so this is it my number three yeah so did you want to add more uh, no no I think we said it all um, like I said the one was my favorite I love that I could just watch that one and skip the first I'll be honest <laughs> Um, and that well, that scares my kids. Like I showed that to him, and I was in trouble for a while. Yeah, it's a scary. It's a scary. They're it's two scary. very scary yeah. stories, and you don't see that too much in anthologies where you have like these actually really stories no. that stick with you I after. Think, I think part of the reason why I like it is nostalgia. Yeah, because um, we used to watch it so much as children. But I thought that too. But you go back and watch those, and they are very cool stories. <laughs> I disagree. No, cool, but I think I do have like a special place in my heart because we used to watch it so much. So like as a horror fan that like the um we watched a lot of horror movies when we were a kid and I find that a lot of times like sometimes yeah. I I can't tell if a movie is good or if like I just absolutely love it because it reminds me of uh, of being a child. Creep Show 2, I never saw when I was young. I, I always watched Creep Show 1, and for a while I didn't even know that there was a Creep Show 2. And when I saw Creep Show 2, I was a little bit older, and this one like fell a little bit flat for me compared to Creep the first one. I thought the first one fell a little bit flat. Yeah, that's how, I feel, about, that's how I feel about the first one, too. I, I like the first one, but it just the no, stories like are a little more yeah. like silly and, and kind of... Lame. Well, I thought that Creepshow 2 fell a bit flat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Dexter. laughs> Anyway, that's why all those reasons are why Creepshow 2 is my number one. Yep, and my number three. And Mel's so. number three. Yeah. <laughs> and my number one is Three Extremes. It uh, came out in 2004. Um, I can't say the names of the people that directed it, so I won't even try. It's um, East Asian horror. Um, all I have to say is the dumplings one will stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, this was my number three. Um, it's three separate film productions, too. One was in Hong Kong, one was Korea, and one was Japan, I'm pretty sure. Which yeah. is kind of cool. These three countries like just work together to to make this movie. Right. And they do this sometimes with anthology horror movies. And I really like when they do it. And that's why I think for me it's forgivable, but that, that there's no wraparound. Um, there's, this, there's a movie called um, Tokyo. And it's not, it's not horror, um, but it's just kind of bizarre. And they have three different um, uh, uh, regions of directors like doing it like different uh, from different countries. And um, I, they do this a lot in anthology horror movies too. And I really appreciate it. It's kind of like this unifying moment, right. Of like bringing yeah. different countries together to, to do it. And uh, they actually, this was my number two, by the way. And they, uh, they made a feature film out of dumplings and it's uh, pretty good. I have, it's, I seen it a while ago. I can't remember how well it holds up to the original uh, short. No, I'm too, but I don't remember anything about it, like Zip. So. I don't know if that's a good sign if neither one of us can remember. <laughs> I remember the <laughs> the short, um, 
But yeah, this this was a great movie. Um, a, a buddy of mine who liked the Asian extreme movies showed me this, and I was um, not into the Asian extreme movies at the time, just because I was like really into like eighties American horror. But this really turned me around. This was like the turning point for me of like, oh, I need to give other horror movies uh, in different countries a chance because this was amazing. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really stuck out to me in these, in, in all three of these movies was the sound design. Um, I don't know if that stuck out to you guys, but in each of them in dumplings, uh, whenever she's like chopping up the meat for the dumplings, it just like really hones in even on it, like exterior shots of her like apartment building, you'll still hear like the knife chopping and once you know what she's chopping, it's just like that sound is is really uncomfortable to listen to, right? Yeah. Um, yes. But even in the in the second film, I noticed there was like piano music in the background, and then one of the the characters in the scene starts playing the piano as well, and it's like overlapping the piano that's playing behind the scene and it's really unsettling just like the notes don't line up together it's playing some very discordant melodies uh which uh i thought was pretty brave choice when it came to sound design there uh and then in the third part um there's a part of the movie that just becomes completely silent I had to like check if my headphones ran out of battery because I thought like, oh, that's weird. But then when the sound comes back, it's makes it a really powerful moment. It's no, this uh, is a this is a great point you're bringing up, Josh, because I don't think sound design gets enough credit, and it's important in in most films, but in horror movies, it can make or break the movie, and you might not be able to know why if something is really yeah. like pulling at you uh like and terrifying you it could just be the sound design for that particular scene and i think we need to give sound design a bit more credit you know just reading like the the synopsis for the first the dumplings one uh -huh. that is oh my yeah, it's god gross. it's disgusting yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a hard watch i have to watch this but i, I haven't seen this yet no i haven't um, seen this yeah, you are I, feel, missing out, dude. I feel like i would remember that first story pretty well yeah I'm telling you yeah this uh, definitely isn't for the faint of heart this movie is very horrific um, it was almost uh, it was towards the beginning of the Asia the Asian extreme genre right um, for well, not going on too long well, before I mean, this movie came out. It was right? going on for a long time, but it, it this was one of the first ones to bleed into America. I mean, they've been oh, okay. they've been making films for a long time, obviously, right? Yeah, <clears throat> but there was a couple of um, of big ones that bled into the, the American culture, and then we started remaking them and ruining them. Yeah, mm. yeah, I. I don't know. I don't feel like the extreme genre really translates to American cinema. Like we, we we're very heavily censored for quite a while. Yeah. Not, we're not brave enough to do it, you know, to yeah. how it needs to be done. 
Well, that was uh, Melanie's number one, my number two, Josh's number three, three extremes. So my number one is a really old movie, came out in 1945. It's called Dead of Night. And uh, I was just doing some research about horror anthologies, and this was like the earliest one I could find. So I thought I'd give it a watch. Uh, kind of the father of the genre, I guess. Uh, it's directed by Alberto Cavalcanti, Charles Crichton, Basil Durden, and Robert Hamer. So four directors, and it has quite a bit of uh, short stories, um, probably like seven or eight. I didn't count, but there, there were a few. But the premise of the movie is a man is uh, walking into a building for the first time and he's being introduced to six or seven people. And he starts to realize that he's had a reoccurring dream of these exact events, starts to freak out a little bit. And uh, everyone just kind of takes turns talking about their life experience and their experiences with the supernatural, I guess, anytime they had reoccurring dreams or they like saw something from the future. Anyways, he starts to remember more and more. He can like predict things that are about to happen. And he starts to realize that it was a nightmare instead of a dream. And so he tries to leave. He can't. And, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It was really well done. Yeah. I'm kind of rambling here. That, that, does sound, that does sound interesting to me and a little bit terrifying. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. And some of the things that they do in this movie, some of the ideas that are presented um, are really ahead of its time. Like, I could, I, I don't know if Stanley Kubrick watched this movie, but if he did... I, I could see it heavily influencing The Shining has some like very common themes with, with that. Um, also ghost stories is almost a modernization of this movie. They're, they're very similar, but uh, there's enough difference between them to say it's not like an outright copy. But uh, this movie does like the slow pans across the room with like a kid crying and stuff like things you see in, in modern horror movies that you didn't realize were that old. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I felt like this movie was really ahead of its time and I really enjoyed watching it. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to have to check this one out. Yeah. What is it called again? Uh, it is called Dead of Night. Mid of night. Where did you watch it on? Uh, you can see it on Shutter. So if you have the Amazon package, uh, Shutter, you can watch it there. Which we do. It's actually cheap. How much is it, Lindsay? It's like I think it's five it's bucks like a five month. Five bucks a month. Four ninety nine. Yeah, and it gives you like so much, so much horror movies and 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 television series. It's great. Uh, we're not sponsored by them or anything. <laughs> it sounds like no, but uh, check out Shutter. I think if anyone's a really big horror fan, they would enjoy 
subscribing to Shutter. Yeah, for four ninety nine a month. Good, good films on there. Um, so you know, doing a little bit of research, uh, one of the first anthology movies was called Eerie Tales in nineteen nineteen, and there's three narrators that took life at midnight and they step out of like paintings in a unique bookstore to read five different stories. I hear hmm. that it doesn't hold up, but if we're talking about the, the genre, I feel like that should be mentioned. Oh, okay. That yeah. Is, this is not my number one. My number one is a little bit of a cheat because it's not a movie. It's a television series and it's tales from the crypt. I could not leave this out because it's kind of what made me love anthologies just in general. And it's not like every episode doesn't have multiple um, stories in it. This series is multiple stories. So from one episode to another, they're not linear. So you could just jump in any season and any episode and just put it on and completely not be lost. It was obviously adapted from the EC comics and they took one of the three um, narrators I can't remember. There's the witch, the crypt keeper, and the old woman. I don't know if it was the old woman. Um, but this takes the crypt keeper, and uh, I just love the crypt keeper's puns. And this was from 1989 to 1996. And there's seven seasons, although, in my opinion, the seventh season can be skipped completely. They moved the production to London, I believe. He just hates it. They all talk like this. I don't mind that. I don't. <laughs> I really don't. What I mind is the stories got like really bizarre and like, lame. and it was just like really hard to follow and get into. It just felt like a completely different show, to be honest. It did. It felt, you know, it felt almost like two TV too. It was, it was all the, I don't know, felt like maybe like toned down and Brandon's right. It was bizarre. I, I didn't, I didn't believe Brandon how bad it was until I watched it and I could, I don't, I don't think I could finish it. No, I own all of them and I bought the seventh season not knowing this. I didn't know this and I put it on and I was like, huh, this one's, that's cool. This one's a British one. All right. Oh, I didn't really like it, but, and I kept trying to watch them. I, to this day cannot have not gotten through all of it, but, um, I think it starts off strong. I think the first season was, is very short, but they're like great and extremely like, comic booky the first yeah. season um uh there's the santa claus one where there's like a murderous santa claus he like escapes from the mental hospital and the it, it just ends with the girl just screaming and screaming and screaming and it totally reminded me of a comic book and they kind of get better as the seasons go along and then they start going down again yeah um but like I, they ran out of ideas. Yeah, yeah. Which I they have so many stories to pull from, man. Yeah. Like they I've read I had a collection of the um the old EC comics, the Tales from the Crypt, and I read a a ton that they never used for the show. Maybe they used it for the British ones, I don't know. Uh but I just felt like they had a lot of content to pull from and maybe they weren't utilizing that as much as they could have. But um but I, I Love this show. I love it, man. And that's why it is my number one Tales from What's the Crypt. Episode yeah, do, you, do you have a favorite episode? I have multiple have favorite episode? episodes. Um, yeah. um, well, uh, if I had to pick one, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I would. Okay, so do you remember that that actress from the Poltergeist? The uh, the the she's like very small. 
She's got a really uh, high pitched voice. Yeah, what is her name? <clears throat> so she is in this one episode, and I forget what it's called, unfortunately, but um, there is a TV show being done about her and her daughter. She calls into this like show, like, help me with my problem child. And the problem child is undead. Like, um, but you don't know this. You don't know this at first. The the little girl's like running around causing trouble. Zelda Rubenstein. I, I, I never knew her name, I don't think. Um, but they start to, to suspect that the woman is playing her child and she's got some like maybe some uh, mental health issues. But then you find out that it's her dead child. Oh, it's really great. Do you remember that one, Lindsay? Yeah, I do remember that one. One of them that pops up in my head that I always kind of just liked, and I don't even know if it's like, the, I wouldn't call it the best episode, but it's like a memorable one, is the salesman going to the house to sell like vacuums or something. And Death of some salesman. I do remember what yeah, that one's called. I don't yeah. know. That, that one is just like entertaining to me. It's Why? Just, because Tim Curry, Nutty Professors it, and he plays like all the family right, members. That's right. That's right. That is a great episode. That's right. And, and I don't think I've seen that one. And it's funny and horrifying at the same time. Like I'll, I'll tell you what. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a top three Tales from the Crypt episodes on one of the episodes. That's a great idea. Maybe the next one. Who knows? But, uh, That's but a lot there's, of seasons to watch. <laughs> we will skip yeah. the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> we'll skip the seventh. <laughs> Uh, we'll do it sometime. Maybe not the next episode, but uh, we'll promise that at some point. Um, so yeah, that's just a great anthology. I th I thought that it had to been mentioned, and it had to take my number one. Cheater. Yeah. How honorable mentions. Dare you? Anybody have any honorable mentions? Oh yes, uh, I do. Um, the cat's eye. And tells from the dark side. Wait, yeah. the cat's eye is that? Is that is That's that a, Romero and and the yeah and the remember Italian? It's got, the, it's got Drew Barrymore in it as a little girl. Oh uh, no no no! I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of something else. The cat saves her from just, a troll in her wall, but then it has all these different stories, like the one where the, um, the guy, if he doesn't quit smoking, they keep on chopping off his wife's fingers. Ooh, ooh! I don't remember. That. I remember this one scared me a lot as a little kid. But all I remember is like the little troll guy. <laughs> but this is a Stephen yeah. King. He wrote these. Um, yeah, and it's like, yeah, the the one that sticks with me the most is like, yeah, the guy wants to quit smoking, so he goes to this company. But they're like mafia, and so they follow him around. And if he smokes, they'll take his wife and torture her. Like I they put to... her in a room that zaps her. Do you remember that, Lindsay? I don't remember. I'm mean, gonna have to watch this. I can't, I think I was like under ten years old the last time I saw this. It came out in 1985. Yeah. It's pretty old. So they keep on cutting off her fingers, and then like in the end of the show, she's like chopping up vegetables, and you see like she doesn't have like fingers. Oh, oh like, my god! Just, I'd be really yeah, pissed so... off at my husband. I'd be so mad. <laughs> You can't quit smoking. <laughs> no shit. But, uh, <laughs> I had some honorable mentions. Um, mine would be body bags is one of them, and trick or treat is another. Uh, oh, trick or treat's so good. Yeah, body bags yeah. is just one of those really fun like '80s type movies where it's just kind of silly and it has all those like that '80s feel to it, and they're they're kind of just fun stories. And then trick or treat is something that Brandon and I watch every Halloween. Yeah, I left that off my list because I I feel like we'll do a, a top Halloween, right? You know, movies to watch on Halloween. So I, I specifically left that off my list because it's going on another. But yeah, it's a fantastic movie. 
but seamless like uh wraparound right. where like you might not think there is one but there there is they just it's all it's the town is the wraparound right and i agree with melanie like tales from the dark side that would have been one of my yeah that movie's moments. great uh, the movie that I thought Melanie was talking about was Two Evil Eyes. That it's uh, Dario Gento and and George Romero teamed up to do an anthology movie. I think it's just like a double feature though of like two shorter films put together. Um, so this is what I'm gonna do for my honorable mentions. I'm gonna mention a um, an episode of Amazing Stories because at when I was a child I saw this and. I thought it was a movie for the longest time. And I kept trying to find out what this movie was. I was like, it's got Christopher Lloyd in it and he loses his head. And nobody knew what I was talking about when I was, when I was trying to figure out what movie this is. And then I, I watched, um, in my early twenties, amazing stories. I rewatched some of the episodes and I found it and I realized, Oh my gosh, it's an episode of amazing stories. It's crazy. It's called go to the head of the class. It's season two, episode eight. It was, it came out in 1986 and it was written by Mick Jarris and directed by Robert Zemeckis. That's probably why it felt so cinematic because uh, Robert Zemeckis is awesome. Um, I also want to mention Tales of Terror from 1962 with Vincent Price. It's a fantastic anthology movie, one of the classic ones. And also, I'm going to put a book on mine, 20th Century Ghosts by Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. It is such a refreshing horror anthology. It's a bunch of short stories that aren't your typical horror um, stories. They're very bizarre and very you, they they. Uh, I was reading this in the bathtub every every night for a while, and it left me so uneasy that I had to take a break and not read them for a little bit. And then I I still haven't finished the book because like. I'll read a story and it'll make me feel so uneasy and it'll stick in my head for a long time. And then I have to like put the book down and then pick it up a few months later. That's how like powerful this book is. What's that? I, the one that stuck out to me is um, the, the kid that I thought was interesting was the kid that was like a balloon. Yeah, he's like an inflatable like, kid. That's the first one I yeah. think of when I think of that book yeah. too. It was crazy. Yeah. It was a crazy story. And, and, and uh, <laughs> they, it's like mentioned like it's a regular thing. They don't explain yeah. why he's inflatable, and it's yeah. really, really sad. Yeah. It's a it's really sad thing. <laughs> uh, one honor roll mention that I forgot to talk about is Southbound, which is like relatively new. It's 2016. And I know Brendan and I had watched this. And I don't think we went in with like high hopes. Um, I can't remember if we went in with high hopes, actually, but I feel like we yeah. were kind of like, well, let's just watch it. And we ended up watching it, and both of us were like pleasantly surprised. So I saw this in the theater. That's right. Yeah, I saw this in the theater, and I suggested it to you. That's probably why you didn't have high hopes for it. <laughs> I was like, ah, he doesn't trust. He's just really good. <laughs> no, um, it's good. It's it's all about it's it's all these tales that are taking place in in hell, essentially. That's yeah. what you could assume. That's what I gathered from it. Yeah. It's a little ambiguous. That's, that's made by the same people that did the VHS, right? Which is another good honorable mention because I actually I didn't love every one of the VHS, but there's that one story in the beginning, I believe, that is powerful yeah, enough to really yeah. like the whole thing. Yeah, the beginning story of VHS, where it's like this like really cool vampire tale. Yeah. And then the last one is really cool, where the guys go into a, a haunted house. They uh, No, they're going to a... They're going to a Halloween party, what they think is a Halloween party, but there's like a seance going on. And it's so cool because it feels like you're going into a haunted attraction because it's, it's, all, it's all like... Um, found footage style 
and you're you're walking through and there's just all kinds of things happening into the house um I don't like the wraparound of, of this. Like, I don't like the guys. They're all like jerks and it shows right. them like they're, they're like filming and like pulling up girls dresses and stuff. It yeah. really makes me like kind of sick. Yeah. Um, but they get their coming upping. So that's, that's good. True. Maybe that's what the filmmakers were going for is like, yeah, I think they were trying to let's make these guys douchebags. So when we you kill know, them, it doesn't, you don't but feel sometimes so bad. You don't want, want I think you need a character to be like attached to. I don't think that's, being an asshole that's what i was just gonna say like i don't know that you want your protagonist to be hated like no i agree i agree and you need tragedy right you need you i if there's gonna be a death in it i don't want the main character to be like finally he's dead god that dude sucked in hostel like you love the guy that dies first you do. Like, yeah, that's the one you, you just re- feel. Yeah. That's the one you relate with the most. Yeah, that's kind of a yeah. good example of Yeah, like that's you need to be attached. Need. But it's also a good example of the guy you end up finding is kind of more douchey following is kind of more douchier and you end up kind of just rooting for him as well, maybe because no, he killed the good that's guy. That's what I'm saying. That's the genius of it. Is yeah. I think I do think you need a character to relate to in a sense. I no, don't know, you do. maybe I'm wrong. You definitely do. It makes yeah. it like it makes it feel more powerful to me. Well, and then when you lose them, it's extremely powerful, Definitely. right? Because you're actually like attached to these people. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan. This is, I think, why I don't um, follow along with a lot of slasher movies, is because they never generally have like a, a good protagonist, and it's an interesting thing to think about with some of these anthology movies, like you. It's a lot of characters to introduce in a short amount of time and to like ha- have a detachment for. And some of these movies pull it off quite, some of these anthologies pull it off. I'm going to quickly um, defend slasher movies right now because <laughs> what I think is that the people that die, that doesn't matter. That's what you're waiting for. You're waiting for cool kills. Yeah. It's not about really story. It's just like this fun ride. And you, I, we are supposed to be attached to the killer. No? Sure, I guess. <laughs> no, not at all. You're not supposed to relate to the killer. <laughs> um, but they become iconic horror figures. Name like mm-hmm. name most iconic horror figures and I guarantee they're from slashers. That's Majority true. of them are from slashers. And they just have they're like the face of horror. See, because like Freddy Krueger for some odd reason I think as kids like we we did root for him. It was like fucking yeah he was like funny and had like all kinds of puns and yeah for sure (laughs) all right well that is our show thanks for listening and you can find us on social media bub club bub club podcast at gmail.com and bub club is a production of pod cauldron and you can find other great podcasts on the pod cauldron network Rabble, 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 which is a comedic look at current events. And Cards and Cubes, which is a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being patient with our technical difficulties here in this time where we have to social distance and record remotely. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.